0: So it's uh, definitely an honor to be able to be here with y'all and uh, sharing God's word with each and every one of y'all. Let us go ahead and go before the Lord in prayer as we begin. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us, Lord. God, we come before you, Father God, acknowledging, Lord, our own weakness and our desperate need for your grace. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide and direct us. We pray as we read your word. Would you chisel your word into the tablets of our hearts, O God, enabling us to continue to live out by faith the command that you have given us to go and make disciples in all nations. In Christ's name, amen. So um, uh, it's it's an encouragement to be able to be here. Um, Again, uh, I was uh, pulling up into the garage Saw Pastor Russell out there. Say, "Whoa, man! I, I know this guy," and so uh, it, it's just good to see uh, uh, Pastor Russell, Pastor Andrew out there, and the rest of the near town family. Um, like Andrew was just sharing, uh, we've collaborated for a long time, and it's been uh, encouraging. Uh, you know, us uh, a church out there in the north side, and to be able to see you know, God bringing a partnership like this together for the sake of the gospel has been an encouragement to us. And to get this opportunity again, uh, thank the Lord and thank y'all as well. So, um, as we were, as brother Andrew was talking about, y'all started a, a sermon series through, uh, this part of the passage. And so, uh, I get the privilege then to actually go into a certain section of this passage that has to do with all nations. And so, um, as I begin with that part I, I want to uh, um you know again bring back our attention to something that's very crucial with what Andrew talked about last week, which is that all authority has been given to jesus uh and this this is very important because, as we understand that all authority has been given to Jesus, that Jesus is Lord over everything um that in, with that truth, he sends us out. And so there is a, um, a Dutch theologian that had said this about uh, Jesus Christ. He says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. That means that Jesus is sovereign and he is Lord over everything everything and out of that truth he is sending us out he sends out the first disciples he sends out his church and so he 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 sends them out he says go and make disciples what an announcement and what a declaration to go and make disciples but he gets specific he tells them exactly what they have to do or where they have to go to now This is something that's very important for us to see because here he's saying, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, he's not telling them, go and make disciples just with Jews only. Or go and make disciples with people that are of their same background or their same upbringing. Or people that live in the same area of town as they do. Or people that they are comfortable with. Jesus is telling first century Jews to go and make disciples of all nations. So to first century Jews, this is something that's controversial. This is totally countercultural. This is like a suicide mission. This is going into hostile land to go amongst unclean people, to go around people that grown up worshiping foreign gods. These are people that are considered barbarian, ungodly, sinful people, to go to people that did not grow up in the same ways they did. Their lifestyles would probably be offensive to these first century Jews. Imagine that. I mean, today, imagine, you know, someone telling you, you know, go to the other side of the neighborhood and reach those inner city kids over there. Like, man, they come with a boatload of problems. You know, or, or what about go to that area over there? Maybe to the people that didn't go to the same school you did. Maybe they don't work in the same kind of field that you have. Maybe they're from a different religion. But imagine what these first century Jews must have felt at this very moment. You would have thought that, hey, Jesus is telling us to do this. So we're going to go ahead and go. We're going to go ahead and go and make disciples. But now, There's something interesting about this because the making of disciples is not just go and share Jesus with somebody, but the making of disciples, it is a process in close proximity with other people. As you invite other people into your life, there is long suffering. There is hardship. There's praying for one another. There's encouraging one another. There's forgiving one another. Paul says this in Colossians. He says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is discipleship here. And he says this, For this I toil And struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is what Paul is describing. It is a toil. It is a struggle. Making disciples is not easy. And so Paul here is embracing this truth. And Jesus is telling first century Jews, go and make disciples. But not just with people that look like you. To all nations. So man it must have been you know a controversial moment so this gospel commission to the first century Jews what does this mean to them you see we can easily allow differences to govern our heart And that governing of our heart will hinder us from obeying the great commission to go to all nations. You see, the first century Jews, their race was an issue because Gentiles were viewed uh, as people of lesser value. Maybe their religion and their cultural customs, you know, had shaped them a certain way. It shaped what they believed and what they believed impacted how they behaved. So the reality was that their old belief system has shaped their upbringing. And therefore Gentiles were considered unclean people. You would think, well, no, I don't think they would be struggling with this. Paul in the book of Galatians is rebuking Peter, a leader in the church. He's rebuking Peter because Peter was enjoying a meal with Gentiles. He was fellowshipping with them. He was eating with them. And the scripture says that as soon as he saw the circumcision party, which is the Jews walking towards them, he got up and he separated himself from them. Can you imagine how the Gentiles must have felt? Your actions spoke louder than your words, Peter. You just said by your actions that the Gentiles are a lesser value. That the Gentiles not only have to believe in Jesus, but they have to also do the works in order to be accepted before God. That's why Paul had to correct them. Paul had to confront them and correct them and point them back to the truth of the gospel. But not only that, we also see historical evidences taking place with this. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is what we read. He says, this is Jesus telling the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, the question is, how long did they stay in the comforts of their own city amongst their own people before they actually went out into the nations? Well, as we read Acts chapter one, they're still in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, they're still in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 3, they're still in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, they're still in Jerusalem. You would be like, man, come on, disciples. They're still in Jerusalem. It is not to Acts chapter 8 that we finally see that Philip goes to Samaria and begins to preach the gospel. Then Philip teaches uh, this Ethiopian guy out of the book of uh, Isaiah about Jesus Christ. And he comes to faith. He gets baptized. But not only that, we see how the gospel begins to spread. But what had to take place in order for the gospel to spread into all the nations? Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says this. And Saul approved of his execution. This is Stephen. That he, got, uh, he got stoned. They killed him. And Acts chapter 8 verse 1 picks up with that and says, Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles, it says. But what had to take place? Persecution. Had to wake up the church. Do do you follow with me? Persecution had to wake up the church. In order for them to finally mobilize themselves. To go into all the regions. Persecution had to impact the church. and This is where we see that samaria gets to hear the gospel people come to faith this ethiopian gets saved and baptized and then he goes to africa takes christianity to africa man praise be to god we finally get to see the all nations in action but persecution had to take place then later on we read in Acts that God raises up someone by the name of Saul, turns him into Paul, and sends him out to the Gentiles. Then later on we also read that Peter, and Peter had to be confronted three times by God so that he can go talk to Cornelius. And then finally Cornelius comes to faith. And this is where we see finally the inclusion of rebels into God's family. What an amazing story. And today you and I are a continuation of the faithful work that began in Acts chapter 8. After persecution hit the church. Now the question is, why did they have to wait for persecution to arrive? Why did they not just engage the people that don't look like them or act like them? Why couldn't they just engage people that were not of the same religious beliefs or the same cultural backgrounds? Why couldn't they just obey Jesus the very first time and go to all the nations? Well, same question I would ask to ourselves. Today, have we obeyed the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations? If not, why do we hesitate to engage with people that do not look like us or talk like us or act like us? Ask yourself this question. Do I struggle with building friendships? Now, this building of friendships, these friendships are in order that you can share Jesus, the hope of eternal life with Jesus, and you invite them into your life. This is what I mean by building friendships. With people that are not of the same race that you are, that are from different religious beliefs, there are different cultural backgrounds, maybe different political parties, maybe social and economical differences, maybe from different parts of the community. Do we hesitate? You see, we can create so many barriers. We can create so many barriers and what begins to happen is that we allow these barriers to become more important than obeying the gospel mission to all nations. Our barriers are grounded. Follow with me. Our barriers are grounded in our preferences and our preferences become precepts to us. These precepts are guiding principles. They're, they're rules that are used to control or influence us, to, to regulate our conduct. And therefore, these principles begin, uh, begin to, to guide us. Uh, and, and, and we pick and choose. And so, when I'm referring to now these preferences, now follow with me. These, these preferences are rooted in what we love. These preferences are rooted in what we love. So the underlying reason why we won't obey the gospel mission to all nations is really out of a lack of love. A lack of love. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and to love yourself as yourself. Is that what it says? No. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. The issue is that we pick and choose who our neighbor is. And we pick and choose who we show this love to. That's conditional love. That is love that is set on conditions. So what about the people that don't meet our conditions? then we won't create opportunities to share Christ or to share life with them. The gospel mission is a call to sacrifice our preferences, our differences, our comfort zones, and to step out in faith and build relationships with other people that don't look like us or even act like us or dress like us. I remember years ago when I was in Orlando, and I was with this one pastor named Russell. You might know him. And the preacher was talking about, you know, you know, about if you don't have a friend that is not of the same race as you, make sure you find someone right now. And he happened to be next to me, and he said, bro, can you be my friend then? <laughs> so, so after that, we became great friends. You know, we were in the plane, and we went through some turbulence, and we hugged each other thinking it was the end. <laughs> So the Lord brought us together. But do you see the importance, though, family? That you create opportunities. Create opportunities. Be willing to sacrifice your preferences and your differences for the sake of the gospel. So, this gospel commission to the Jews was a struggle. And the gospel commission to us is also a struggle. There's three things I'm going to end with. And the first one is we must begin with a right heart. Because what we love will command our allegiance. Therefore, grace must change our hearts. Grace must change our hearts. And I say that because... If we're picking and choosing who we love, then it's a lack of love that we have for all nations. And there's a greater love for myself, my wants, my needs, and my comfort. And in those situations, we must, must, must preach the Christ of the cross to our hearts. Before we can even obey the great commission, we must be personally convinced of what it costs Jesus Christ to save a person like us. We must come to that reality. We must preach the gospel to our own hearts. We must allow the gospel to redirect the attention of our mind and the affections of our hearts and be set on Jesus Christ. We must feel the weight of this gospel commission. We must feel the weight of it. That we would want to act out in obedience, out of love to Jesus Christ, in obedience. Not because, oh, I'm, I'm having to do it because they're telling me so. No, I desire to do it because I owe it all to Jesus. We must be confronted with the depth of our own sin. How awful and offensive our sin is to a holy God. But we must not stay there. We must also be reminded of the depth of God's grace for a sinner like me. That we are reminded of the immeasurable God's grace. How deep the grace of God is for us. For you and for me. Before we can be convinced, we must come to terms with that. That you were far away from God. That you were not just lost, you were dead in your sins. And God saved you. God Brought you back to life. God gave you a new heart. God gave you new eyes to see the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. There was nothing special in you and in me. God was not looking for someone to put him in his team because of what he would bring to the team. God was looking for dead people to raise them back up to life. That is the Savior that we serve. And he's called us to himself. And so we must come to that reality that we weren't lovable people. We were unlovable and yet God chose to love us. He came to us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still good people, no, while we was jacked up, while we were in our sin, Christ died for us. There was nothing that you did to earn your salvation. Therefore, let us not treat others that they have to do all these other things in order to be accepted before God. Allow the grace of God to travel deep in your hearts and it will produce this desire to obey the gospel commission to all nations. The second thing, we must reflect the heart of God for all nations. The father's heart for all nations is seen in Genesis chapter 12 when he is telling Abraham, he's promising to Abraham that he will be a father of many nations. And that many nations will be blessed through him. Now this is amazing because here we see that God is making this promise to Abraham in Genesis. God is already orchestrating the all nations. Then later on we see that Paul points that out in Galatians chapter 3. He says... And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The Old Testament is filled with these promises. A reminder of God's heart for all the nations. And we also see it in the reluctant prophet that God sent them to Nineveh to go amongst the Ninevites that were not cool people. There were some crazy people. But Jonah didn't want to go because he knew that God would have mercy on them. So we see the father's heart. Now we also see the son's heart for all nations. Matthew 24, 14 says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And the end will come. Mark chapter 11, verse 17 says, And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? So over and over we see then from the father to the son and we find that the son then is pointing to the reality of all nations. Now, this carries over into Paul's ministry because Paul in Romans 1, 5 says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Again, now we get finally we get to the part in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And this is what we see here. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed people for God from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. They will all come together. This passage here is a consummation of the Great Commission. The Great Commission that was given by Jesus Christ is finally coming to a reality here where they would all, different races, different people, different upbringings, coming together to worship the Lamb that was slain for us can you imagine that everyone worshiping together and they're not even looking at their differences or talking about any of that their focus is on the lamb of god who was slain for us that is the aim that is the heart that is the pursuit of god's glory is to exalt jesus christ So when we are all coming together, when we are all partaking of the all nations, we are glorifying Christ and we're working to that end. That is the blueprint of God. That is the design of God. That is the the heart of the father. And that is the heart of the son. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And you and I are invited into that. Today, We are invited into that. So, my question then to you today what holds you back? What holds you back? Is it more important than the voice of Him who gave the command, which is Jesus Christ? Is my preferences, my differences of greater importance? Or is the gospel commission what is driving us? Is the gospel commission primary to us? Because if it's not, there is grace for you today to turn back to Christ. We serve a good Lord, a good master. You see, when our focus is just on the mission, mission becomes our master. And that will be a cruel master to us. But we serve Jesus Christ, the true and better Master, who shows mercy and grace to you. He will meet you where you at today, and he would turn the affections of your heart back to him. Let us see a great move of God here in our city. Let us be those that God uses to turn Houston upside down for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for the work of your spirit in our lives. And I pray today, Lord, for those that might not know you or have a personal relationship with you. God, would you speak to their hearts and would you remind them of their opportunity that they have to become a child of the Most High God, that you take rebels and bring them into your family and turn them to sons and daughters. But God, maybe there's someone here, Father God, that has wrestled with and they've hesitated in, in sharing their faith with others or, or, or invited others into their lives because they're, they're afraid of what might happen. But God, I pray that you would empower them by your spirit, that you would show them that they are not alone. And that you've given them this treasure from heaven and you've entrusted them with this treasure. For you are the one bringing all kind of people and bringing them into one family. So may we continue to do this for your glory and your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.